All right, so George, welcome to the first ever LifePoint podcast, vodcast. Woo-hoo. We're coming live from the man cave, my uh, my office here, uh, and today we're talking about uh, this series that we're getting started called Love Is. And just in the event that we have people who are kind of sharing this video with their friends, maybe they're sending an email forward or they're texting a link to our website, our new awesome website, by the way, which yeah. is the number one website in yep. the Plano area if you look for Plano churches. Go Isaac. Go Isaac. Shout out Isaac Trevino, yeah. our communications director. In the event that that's happening, uh, I thought we might want to introduce ourselves just to our audience. So uh, maybe by way of introduction, like t- tell us a little bit about who you are specifically. Like, you know, you're married, you have kids. Tell us about your family. Tell us how long you've been married. Just kind of tell us about you. Yeah, I met my wife uh, at the University of Missouri, uh, I would say about 43 years ago, 40, 44 years ago. And uh, we've been married about 42, 42 this coming August. I'm sitting in the union uh, at the University of Missouri with a friend of mine who's now a lawyer in Kansas City. Uh, just kind of rating girls on the scale of one to ten, and this girl walks by, and he says, "I bet you can't get a date with her." And I said, "I bet you I can." So I go up to her and uh, find out that she has a Bible on her. I ask her for her Bible. I thumb through it a little bit, give it back to her, and uh, she asks me, "Are you a Christian?" Why, of course I'm of course, a Christian. Yeah. You know, uh, knew some things about Christianity, but really hadn't committed my life to Christ at that point in time. And then asked her out for a date for that coming weekend. She said no. She had a, a test to study for. Now, um, and so I thought that was a kind of a polite put down. And she went off to class. Class was canceled. She came back to the union, struck up a conversation with me. So I asked her out for the following weekend, and she said yes. And so we started dating, and after a period of time, she discovered I wasn't a Christian, and she dropped me like a hot potato. And that really, I think, propelled me to really begin to investigate and understand what the Christian faith was all about. And as a result, I gave my life to Christ. And then about a year and a half later from that uh, event, uh, we got married. It was my senior year that I got married. Cheryl was just beginning her nursing uh, program, okay, and she had like about two, three years of nursing in in front of her. But we decided we'd get married, and and we did. Uh, would we do it again? Um, I don't know. It was really rough, okay. What? Well, okay, this is interesting. I kind of want to talk about that for yeah. a little bit, if that's okay. So it's it just strikes me as interesting. Like today, if we had college students and they were going off to college, I I think even our Christian parents would say. Get your education first before you get married. Uh-huh. And we're, we're 40 years removed from when you were in college, and it was just the thing to do to get married out of high school. Yeah. Like, what do you, like, what do you make of that? Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on that perspective, that juxtaposition? Um, you know, I, I think, well, obviously times were different back then. I, I really think that um, kids were probably prepared more for the world that they were going into. So when you get out of high school, you were either going to go into a trade and you're going to become responsible in some craft, uh, or you're going to get a higher education and you were going to get a job as soon as you got out of college. And so you were kind of preparing yourselves for those things. So there was just kind of a different mindset back mm. then. And I think a different uh, type of character that was being developed in, in kids back then uh, as opposed to, to today, you know. Oh, that's a great setup. We'll talk more about that in a okay. little bit. That, that was a great setup. Um, talk to us about your kids. You have three. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. 
How long had you guys been married before you started having kids? Like, what's that look like? Yeah, uh, we had our first one four years into our marriage. Okay. And so just to be clear, two years out of college. Yeah, two years out <laughs> of college. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it, it was rough. I mean, it was an eye-opening experience to bring home our first one, Aaron, uh, and we were totally responsible for him. And uh, boy, all I can remember were sleepless nights. It was challenging, okay? Yeah. Very challenging. But it can be done. It can be done. Okay. Okay, so just to be clear, this is two years. You've been in college. Uh, you're married four years, two years out of college. So four years into marriage, you have your first kid. Yeah. And you're living in Columbia at the time? Uh, no, actually, we were living in the Kansas City area. We moved, uh, after we had Aaron, we moved to Columbia, Missouri to help start a church there. Wait, so you've been married for four years. Yeah. Two of them, you're in college. Yeah. And two of them, you, you're out of college. And then you have your first kid. Then you move and start a new kind of career path. Slash. Yes, yes. And, and just, again, yes. we need to be clear about this. You're starting a PhD program, right? Yeah, well, uh, shortly after we moved there, I, I did because... Uh, the jobs were scarce at a university town where you could really provide for your family. And uh, one way of doing that was, hey, enter into the doctoral program. You can become a TA. You can make some money. And back then, don't, don't think that was like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. It was like about six, $7,000 okay. a year, okay. okay? Times have changed. Yeah, yeah. times have changed okay. for sure. Wow. Okay. So, so that's really interesting because you mentioned... Uh, at that time, 40 years ago, kids were better, uh, I'm sorry, kids had better character developed. They were better prepared for maybe adult responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you, that kind of bears out in your life, but I would say just observing, there was a, a lot of people in your generation, they got married, they got jobs, they did multiple things. There was none of this like, well, do this and then do this and then do this. And and so, again, I just, I just maybe want to observe that, that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. but. Maybe even just kind of tease this out. You don't have parents who are like funding this, right? There's no secret like funding source. This is you, right? Yeah, this is totally George and Cheryl at that point in time, no doubt about it. When we first got married, uh, Cheryl's dad had an apartment. And so he gave it to us rent free uh, kind of while we're going through college. But as soon as we finish college, you're on your own. I mean, it, the, the strings were cut and we had to finance everything, which meant you know, broken down cars because we didn't have new cars and, and baby things that had to be bought and just life and our college education. Right. We're, we're financing all of that uh, ourselves. So it was, it was a challenging, it was uh -huh. a challenging time financially, yeah. relationally with a new kid. I mean, it was, it was, oh boy. <laughs> okay. So you, you got, you have two kids. So it's Aaron. How long until Second comes along, how long till third? After yeah, that? Four, four years after Aaron, uh, Matthew came along, okay. okay? A little bit better. We were accustomed to one, so we kind of knew what was coming. Uh, and then two years after that, uh, David, our, our last, uh, came into the world. And that really complicated things because two, I mean, there's one parent for each child when you have two. Right. But when you have three, all of a sudden, boy, the complexity just kind of, it just magnifies, it multiplies. And so it's like, whoa, right. <laughs> how do we do this? Right. You're stressing because you're in zone defense, yeah. right? Two on one. And yeah. then you go man to man. Yeah. And then you go back to a zone, but you're now, it's like a fast break. You're yeah. like two people and three people are oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh. Uh, so talk about your sons a little bit. I, so, you know, we're obviously talking about this series on love. And to some extent, we're talking about love as a 
you know, character development and kind of broadly speaking love. Like how do you, you got sons, how do you, how did y'all approach raising kids? You guys obviously had like a high deal of character as you're launching out into life. Like how did you raise your kids to have a high degree of character and to be loving? Like just kind of talk about that in general. What was your approach? It was all Cheryl. (laughs) Fair. We're done. That's it. This is Cheryl. So everybody, everybody find Cheryl, uh, Cheryl out there. And That's right. Good. Ask her how okay. we did it because she knows because she did most of it. Okay. But I, I think really uh, we, we started out by just uh, we're, we're Christians. We love the Lord. And obviously we're going to God's word and we're just kind of investigating things about how do you raise, how do you raise kids? What does a Christian family look like? Those were things that we began to investigate. And I think as, as uh, our kids started to grow, uh, we started to implement some of those things. So I think that was one source. Uh, the other source was just really modeling others who had gone before us. There were some uh, older families uh, that we looked at and we kind of noticed how they were raising their kids and they looked like they had some pretty good kids and we thought, okay, let's, let's try that. Um, as our kids got older, we could definitely begin to see areas in their lives that they were strong in and things that they were weak in. And so we started to give attention. How can we maximize those positives and how can we, so to speak, minimize the negatives that are in their lives? And we began to write profiles on their kids. We would sit around the table and, okay, here's, here's the project for the week. As a family, we need to be uh, better servants and serving one another. And we would say, Aaron, you're really good at this, but this area here you need some improvement on. And we would go around the table with all of our kids like that, Matthew and David. And we would talk about how each of them could maximize their strength maybe in serving and minimize this area uh, that they had as a weakness in their, area, in their life for serving. Hmm. And we just did that. And we did that for about six months on one topic. And then we'd go to the next topic. And we'd just start writing out profiles on each of the kids in those certain areas so that we gave enough attention to make it make sure that it went deep in their life, that they would remember it, but that they could apply it. Wow. If you know me, Doug, right. I'm, I'm application, yeah. okay? It's yeah. like, okay, serve, that's great. How do we do that? Right. And so we did a lot of uh, emphasis on, hey, how do we do that? Application, application. That's interesting, because we just had that Maximize series, like a few series ago, and like I'm just seeing like George and Cheryl at the table, and George is already thinking, here's how I'm going to apply this with my kids, but if I preach a sermon series on that, here's how I'm going to apply it kind of to a congregation. Yeah. So so we're doing this series on love. Yep. Why this series now? Like, why a series on love in February of 2016? Well, I think it's a subject matter that a lot of people don't really understand. They think of love as a feeling. Again, I'm all about application and action. Mm. And I've always said that love produces feelings, but it is more than a feeling. It truly is an accident, and it's choices that you make. And so with what is going on in our culture in the way of love and marriage, I thought, you know, now's the time to kind of address what is real biblical love all about. And so that's kind of what spurred it. And then as you know, you and I began to talk about how, how can we really lay this out for our church uh, that'll address some of the cultural issues that are out there as well. So yeah. that's kind of how that came about. Cool. Yeah. And we've talked about this offline. There, there seems to be in our culture and, and, and 21st century today just either a misconfusion about this topic of love or like a really narrow definition of what love is. And yeah, I use that term, just confusion. 
So part of what we want to try to do mm-hmm. is bring a lot of clarity from that, from Scripture. I mean, I, I mean, just to build on what you were saying, it seems like we just want to sit people around the table in a family moment and just talk about this topic yeah. and then drill it down deep. Yeah, right? so absolutely. That's a good metaphor. Well, I think... I'm guessing a lot of people will, when we, when we talk about love, and we'll address this in the sermon series, but they'll think about kind of a popular phrase that's going on in 21st century culture, and that is the same love. R- really, with respect to the Supreme Court's decision last year and gay marriage and all of that. Now, you know that when that decision came out, we had this private meeting as pastors mm-hmm. trying to yep. kind of prayerfully think through this. And we talked about, should we go public with a statement? Should we do it kind of more privately? And I think there were kind of two camps. There was, let's have a hot take on this. Let's get out in front of it. Let's just talk about what our position is. And and then there was the other side, which was like, hey, let's really think about this and think about implications and practical applications for our people. And we ultimately chose the latter, yep. right? Yep. So maybe... You know, we've we've kind of landed on position a while ago as pastors, uh-huh. and you landed on one, and you've kind of steered this. So, why why in your uh, in your leadership decision making kind of process, why delay talking about and addressing this issue and this particular aspect of love until now? Yeah, um, I think oftentimes when issues come up, you can be more reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, that's driven more by feelings, uh, maybe wrong feelings, could even be right feelings, right? But it just comes across in, in a not the best way and maybe in a wrong way. And when it comes to major things, I, I have more of a philosophy. No, let's, let's wait, let's drill down deeper and, and then respond appropriately, okay? Uh, one of the things I think I've learned in life, because I am a AAA, I like to go fast, but I've learned that um, just studying Jesus's life, that he took, I think, a long time to look at people, Mm. to get the right kind of internal state that he needed to possess in order to speak into the moment. And uh, I think there's a famous story about that in the Bible where some guy's asking him about, hey, I want to be saved. And he's ripping off all these things that he's done. And Jesus, it's real clear, he looked at him, then he felt compassion, Mm. and then he spoke to him. And I want our words, when we begin to talk about love, to be understood that they've been thought about and that we really love people. Regardless of where people are at on the issues, we really do care for their lives, but we believe that God has something better for them. And so that takes time to think through, and I don't want to be a reactionary when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, and, I, and I've even told you this. We've talked about it offline. Um, we talked about this, that... The, one of the things, uh, the areas in just pastoral leadership I've been challenged by you a lot in is that you always lead at the pace of love, mm. right? And so change always happens at the pace of love and that, that we really should take our time. Because I'm like you, I'm, well, maybe in a kind of doubly problematic, I'm AAA, I want to move, but I'm also like very reactionary and I want to come up with a hot take. I feel this pressure to have an, an answer immediately. And so um, I think at times people could probably perceive your leadership style as maybe waffling on an issue or kind of hedging. But I, I really do. I think I've come to see that you want to take time to explore, think about every angle uh, so that you deliver the most loving answer possible yeah. um, in, in an appropriate time. And I think there's a lot of Holy Spirit wisdom in that because you want to be right. You don't want to, you don't want to answer, feel the need to answer right away. Yeah. Right. I think it's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cool. So that answers that. Yeah, anything more on 
Supreme Court decision or anything else? I can't wait till we jump into the subject matter. <laughs> I mean, it's going to, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be eye opening for people, but I really do think that people are going to come away with, huh, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And it's going to enrich their lives. Hopefully it will prepare at least our church family to maybe have better answers for people as, because that's the world we live in. Okay. Yeah. And we have to interact with that world. Yeah. So I hope that's my hope and desire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, on the heels of kind of, it's the same love, kind of the Supreme Court decision, really what that highlights is that um, in our culture, part of our confusion on love is that we restrict love simply to romantic love. Mm -hmm. And I think probably, uh, as, especially as you bring up the Jesus story and as you talk about kind of the ministry we have here at, at LifePoint, um, we probably would want to broaden that to, to make romantic love part of something else. So I want to talk about the something else. But as a way to talk about something else, let's let's start with romantic love, right? Okay. So kind of when you approach that subject, like, you know, with you and Cheryl, like what's your approach to that? And maybe think about it kind of on two levels. Like how do you try to practically live out romantic love in a marriage relationship of 40 plus years? But also, how did you kind of encourage your sons? They're now all married, yeah. right? So how do you encourage and kind of guide your sons to think about that? Because it is a vital part of life, especially if you're in a married life, right? So like, what are your, what are your takes on that? And kind of how do you approach general practicals, whatever? Yeah, I, I can't remember who coined this little phrase, but I, I think it is true that romantic love starts in the kitchen first, and then it ends up, so to speak, in the bedroom later. Oh. That truly, um, you have to kind of warm things up through behavior, through actions, uh, in order so that there's a sense of unity, um, so that it culminates in just a rom really a romantic act. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and so I think there's a lot of things that go on behind the scene uh, before you hit the bed. Right. If you want to put it in those terms, okay? And here are things that I think of. Uh, one is just the importance of giving attention, okay? Starting out the day and really honing in, like I was talking about a little earlier about looking at people, looking and showing attention to a person's life, maybe the things that they're doing, making comments on it like that. I think affirming a people, I, I think that is a big one, is that we, we oftentimes we focus in on the negative, but there's so many positive things about uh, our mates, that we just need to, we need to affirm, we need to elevate, we need to bring to their attention that we've noticed this. Uh, I think there's the, the area too about just touching. I, I'm a big toucher. If if you're at Life Point, you know I love to hug people, right. and um, I think uh, th there's ways that you can do that in in non-sexual ways in the kitchen, so to speak, before the bedroom, of just you know showing affection, touching, and and caring for that, that individual. And I think what that does is communicates, hey, we're really one. Huh. We're run, one in spirit, we're one in soul, and now let's be one in body, yeah. okay? Yeah. And it just kind of flows from there. Yeah, okay, so I'm curious about this. Um, I feel like I can ask you, because I don't think I can ask my dad about this for oh, reasons, but I could ask you, <laughs> like just as an older man, like I observe that maybe romance, <clears throat> or how we think about romance changes the longer mm. we're married, mm -hmm. right? So just, again, my, my yeah. impression of this is like your first couple of years of marriage, it's like everything romance is like sex, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's a huge part of what yes. you do. But 
you get past having kids and you get kind of, there's ailments, you get older, you have grandkids. Yeah. There's still romance, but it may not be exclusively right. tied to, th- so like, right. I, I don't know, just talk about that. Is that, is that yeah. on point? Like, Boy, let me, let me, because it just kind of jogged my memory uh, a yeah. little bit. I think the world approaches this whole area of romance personally in the wrong way. It's all physical, then it's maybe a little bit emotional, and then, if any, spiritual. I think God's perspective is just the opposite of that. That God wants us to put a huge emphasis on being united in spirit, okay? United spiritually, and then really care for each other emotionally, and then that culminates in the physical. As I've seen my relationship with my wife develop over the years in this area of romance, truly the physical romance has become less and less and less because life changes. Mm. Uh, The the importance of the physical, even as a Christian, kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say goes away. It's still there, but it just doesn't have the same importance. And so building on those other two, the spiritual, emotional, truly that's what is there that Mm. keeps you united. And I think there needs to be more consideration of that in 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 marriages okay that i'll I'll never forget i read i was waiting in a doctor's office and they have red book magazine it's a woman's magazine and i am i thought okay i'll read this thing and going through it and i read an article about how they said a a woman's sexual performance in essence was um greater if their partner, wasn't talking to marriage, yeah. if their partner showed more interest in spiritual things. Interesting. And I, I did, I found that interesting I, because I think women are more than men are more spiritually oriented. They're just kind of more open to those kind of things. And yet if a guy really wants to enhance the romantic relationship, man, put emphasis on the spiritual. Go to, in my world, go to church, yeah. talk about the Bible. Talk about spiritual things of uh, their journey and what they're learning. It just will do a lot. And again, bringing them to bringing the two individuals together, united, but it'll 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 flush itself out in the physical. So that's some of the things I've seen. I, yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm just curious about this. Now this is kind of in a leadership. I think we have maybe life group leaders or people who lead ministries and they're they're or lead in just a ministry and they're engaging with couples, especially couples whose marriages maybe kind of rocky Mm -hmm. would you say it's fair that if if a young couple places the burden of their romantic life in purely the physical Mm -hmm. doesn't address the spiritual the emotional that this could be one reason why when couples have been married 10 years and the romance the the physical goes away because of life it becomes less and less that they begin to interpret that as our marriage is crumbling and falling apart so therefore we need to we need to maybe get a divorce and go find someone else who can fulfill that physical romantic side. And when that goes away, then I find the third, right? They never understand the kind of the other two components and how vital that is. Like, I mean, is that, is that fair? Is that true? No, I think that's true. Okay. Uh, If if you remember, I think it was about 20 years ago. Now the, a lot of brain research was coming out and they were taking a look at hormones. This is next level stuff. Yeah. I mean, George Pfizer PhD. I mean, this is what, and what they discovered that the saying the seven year itch is true. You first meet someone and those hormones just kind of spike, but then 
uh, they kind of peak out at three and a half years, not exact science, but kind of that way. And then they come and they bottom out after seven. And so people are looking around, well, all the feelings are gone. Hmm. And, and they said, well, you must not be the right one. Right. Okay. And, and then, you know, some other person enters into the story and those emotions, those hormones pop out, they must be it. And so um, I just think when you understand the physical, the, 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 the internal stuff that's going on in your brain, the hormones and things like that, say, hey, that's not really what's happening here. I mean, it's not like I need another mate. Maybe I need to work through some other issues spiritually, emotionally to kind of get that relationship back up. So, I mean, those are things that go through my mind. And I say, okay, yeah. And if you look at it, honestly, if you look at relationships, uh, around the seven-year mark, 14 divorces, 25, yeah. you hear it. Yep. And I think a lot of it is you know, just the physical, the hormones, the brain, how it works. And we don't understand what real love is all about, okay? We're basing it off of some feeling, right. these emotions that may be driven even chemically within our bodies. No, no, no. It is more than that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think if we can get to that in this series and see it how Jesus kind of fleshed that out uh, in his relationships. It'll help our, uh, you know, our people, our marriages and things like that. That's awesome, that's awesome. Okay, well I wanna, I wanna wrap up with this question. Um, so, okay, love restrictively to romance, but now let's broaden it back out again. Yeah. I think the broadening out is what's gonna help people to see that love is beyond just this phys physical romantic kind of side. And, and the, the way to maybe talk about this is just to, to observe that you and Cheryl found your, yourselves in what's called the sandwich generation. Mm -hmm. And that is where you are taking care of your kids, raising them, but also your parents start to hit a, a phase in their season of life where they're now not able to take care of themselves. So you find yourself a caretaker of your kids and of your parents. And yeah. you're in this kind of sandwiched in between this. Yeah. And so you guys walk through that season for a while, maybe you're kind of still in it to some extent, and maybe just talk about that. Like, what, what did you learn about love broadly as you're caring for both kids, raising kids, and caring for kind of your, you know, ailing parents? Yes. That's uh. <laughs> a lot. Hey, maybe start, sorry. So maybe start with this. Like, what was your experience like just with parents as your parents are kind of in that season of life? Yeah. Uh, challenging. Sacrificial that uh, here we were at a stage of life, Cheryl and I, where our kids had really kind of left the house. We're empty nesters, and all of a sudden, we've got older parents uh, in our nest. And uh, our parents were more like teenagers hmm. and not little children. Little children, you can manage better. Do this, do what I say, I'm the adult. Teenagers have more of their self-will. Here, we have these older parents who had their self-will and I'm going to do it this way and as caring children of their lives we're going this is not a good decision <laughs> how do you work through that how do you convince them no that isn't good right sometimes you just had to tell them no we're not going to do that okay <laughs> and that created tension okay. um, I think for Cheryl and I as we look at our marriage at least as I look at it We've gone through three major tunnels of chaos in our life, mm. okay? First one was uh, four years into our marriage, we had Aaron, and all of a sudden, wow, this is new. Things I hadn't done quite right, I own in, in our marriage, we had to address. 
And that was a time of chaos and we had to work it through. Then the next one is when our kids became teenagers. Okay. And I think what came up in that season of life for us is we had two different styles of parenting and um, of managing little adults, okay? And that caused Cheryl and I some real stress in our marriage, and we had to work that through. The third one was with our parents. When they started to move back into our life, all of a sudden, we're looking towards spending more time with one another, and now we couldn't. Cheryl was spending all this time with her, her mom and her dad, particularly her dad, because her mom passed away early, but, mm. but uh, her, her dad, and it was just like, where's Cheryl? She's not here. Well, we've got to go this, we've got to do this for dad, and that, and all of a sudden it became about dad and not about us, and that was a tunnel of chaos that we had to work through. And I would say, when I say tunnel of chaos, I'm, I think there are three things that if you're going to work through that tunnel of chaos that you, you have to do, and it all revolves around truth-telling. Mm. Uh, you got to tell truth about your feelings with one another. you got to tell truth about the faults that you, you're seeing in your relationship and maybe in different individuals, even in yourself. And you've got to uh, tell people, um, uh, you got to talk about your... your um, your freedoms. In other words, the things that you're giving up, all of a sudden, wow, it seems like this event or whatever is controlling our life and we're not controlling it. And I think as you talk about your faults, your feelings, and these freedoms that you're losing, you're able to work through the chaos to get to a better place. And as a result, honestly, I think you you get deeper with that individual. Hmm. I, I think Cheryl and I truly are soulmates because of the things that we've gone through and we've chosen to use God's word, truth, to help us uh, really be more united, be more of the people that God wants us to be. And um, I, I, that's why I say, hey, don't give up on your marriage, just keep working it through, whether it's parents, you know, loving your parents. I think this is big, I, I love this. Um, Jesus' lifeblood is bring, being drained out of him on the cross. Think about that. And he turns his attention to other people. The thief on the cross, but in particular about parents, his mom. And he sees his mom in agony and in grieving. And he takes the attention off of himself and he puts it onto her. And in essence, if you know the story, he says, Hey, Mary. John, uh, the apostle John was standing next to her, said, Mom, that's your son. John, there's your mom. He's caring for his mom right there. Yeah. I think that is such a beautiful picture of, of love. Hmm. And I think God called us into that. If you have parents that are living and they get older, there's a time where he's saying, hey, get your, get your mind off yourself. Though this is painful and you would sure like to be enjoying other things and you get it on your parents. At the same time, I think what's important is that it isn't just all about your parents. It's incorporating them into your lifestyle. And for myself, I mean, Cheryl and I, I'm a pastor. We're involved in a biblical community. And so we would take dad and mom right into the family and make them a part. And I think that shows a deeper sense of love in that it's easy to love your own. Okay, that's what you're supposed to do. But God wants us to continue to love our spiritual family mm -hmm. while we're loving on our, 
our, our parents. And I think the way to do that is, just, come on, mom, dad, you're coming with us. We're going to church. Just like when our kids were teenagers, they may not have always wanted to go to church, but guess what? <laughs> you're part of the family and this is what we do. We're going to church. And sure enough, you know, dad would come or Cheryl's dad, Wayne, my father-in-law, would, he would come and we just, we would do life together then. And I don't think it stops there. You know, I, I'm big about living life beyond the walls. Hey, no, we have to, we have to love our parents. We've got to love our biblical community. But I think we have to love the, our community at large. And so, hey, we're going to do life together in all three of those things as we're caring for our folks. I think that speaks volumes to, to, to a world that's looking what is real biblical love all about. So I'm hoping we can address some of those things in our yeah. series. Yeah, no, wow. A couple of things I just want to make sure I point out, and maybe you could say a little bit more on them if you want to, but you don't feel like you have to, because I think you did a great job with that. Uh, just a couple of observations. Um, number one, uh, when I asked you to talk about love, you talked about truth. Yes. Speaking truth. Like, I think that if there's anything that's going to smack our current culture in the face, it's that... To be loving, you almost have to avoid saying true statements, uh-huh. right? It's like lack of transparency is what's really loving, just being very surface level. But I just think that's interesting, especially coming from the generation that you come from where you've described, like, we had high character, we got married early, we made all these very responsible decisions. Like, love for you, and you tie it to scripture, is it's being able to speak truth and to be honest about that and to develop unity. I just think, I mean, I'm just saying as someone who was raised as a millennial, mm-hmm. you know, in the very me-centered childhood rearing that I grew up in, like that just, there's something really honorable and challenging about that. Mm. Very different from the way we were, I was raised at least. Um, so, interesting. Well, yeah, I, again, I'm a pastor uh, and I think in biblical ways, but truly as I look at the world, it's truth. Wherever that truth is, I believe it comes from God. It sets people free. And I think relationally truth sets us free from some of the fears that we have that are creating distance in our life and if we can get to truth in a again looking having the right heart and then speaking it in the right way that truth will bring us closer together to god's ideal than to where we think it, it it should be and what it looks like and as a result i think we'll we'll be more uh, we'll be more human in a, in a good sense, and uh, we'll be, you know, what God wants us to be. Yeah. So. Now, to be fair, you said you're a pastor, and so some of the, the reasons you do this because you're a pastor, but my suspicion is, and even based on what you've said, you would do this just because you're a Christian, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so I want to make sure people know that if they're watching this or right. kind of listening, like, if there was no, if, if ISIS comes to America tomorrow and destroys all the physical buildings of the church, yeah. not that we're afraid of ISIS, but you know, I'm just right. using this as a current <laughs> example. Like you would still live this way. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, you're Christian. This is what Christians right. do. I, I really believe that. Christians do that. I yeah. think they get their worldview from God's word. And God's word is truth. And truth doesn't change. Uh, culture may change, but God's truth doesn't change. And so we base that on that. And we trust him in it. Right. Okay, and, and uh, I think, again, when you're putting truth into practice, you might not see the results of it immediately. Right, okay. But as you continue to sow that truth, there's no doubt about it that at the end of the road, boy, you're going to see what God has intended uh, in your relationships, right. uh, for your relationships. Gotcha. And so you just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, trusting God, and you'll get there. 
Cool. And maybe the, 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 maybe we can end on this, but what I heard you say is you, you tell that picture, you tell that story of Jesus dying on the cross. His lifeblood, I like the way you frame that, is literally flowing out of him. Yeah. And even in that moment when you think, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for Jesus to be selfish, he turns, not only you've got the thief on the cross he deals with, but his mom, and he's trying to take care of his family. Yeah. And that's going to jive real well with our working definition of love, which is love is giving of yourself, especially when it's inconvenient. Yeah. And the, I love the, that, the, Doug. The beautiful picture of the gospel there is, um, and I heard a, another pastor say this recently, is that because God is the only being who doesn't need anything, that frees him up to just give and give and give and give wow. and give and give and give and give. And that's Jesus, right? He just yeah. gives and gives. And, because he can afford to because he doesn't need anything. Yeah. And the beauty of being in a relationship with Jesus is we, ha- we can now afford to risk it all and give and give, even when it's inconvenient, because we know God's going to fill us up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like that's a that's probably a great way to end this. But yes. that's, that's where we're going in this, right? Yes, and that's absolutely. What we want people to be. That's why I'm excited about this series, and I'm glad that we're doing it together. Yeah. I think it's going to be a great tag team, right. okay? And it's going to be it's just going to be fun to get out there and communicate on this subject matter. And let's go for it. Let's do it, okay? Yeah, cool. That's probably a good place to stop. Maybe we'll do. Hey, this is fun. Let's do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll do this on the next series. So. <laughs> Shout out LifePoint. Anybody else who might be watching this, we'll we'll bring this back again a little bit.